Live, what is up everyone? And welcome to the Data on Kubernetes Communities live stream number 127. We're piling it up. We got a live stream today with WeWorks. We got a live stream tomorrow with DigitalOcean. Got plenty of things going on as usual in the Data on Kubernetes community, but our biggest piece of news is that we've got our third virtual DOK day coming up on May 16th in Valencia. We'll be live streaming um, all of the talks. We got over 30 talks and panels that we got coming for, uh, for all you folks on, on May 16th. I will be down there in Valencia. We're gonna be doing everything virtually, all right? We will be having a, a get together afterwards. If you're interested in attending, please contact me on Slack um, so we can get you on the guest list. Can have live music, entertainment. It's gonna be really, really cool. Um, that being said, like I said, we've got plenty of meetups coming up. We've got a meetup tomorrow. If you're in London, uh, you definitely wanna check out our DOK London page. Uh, for more info, you can see all that on meetup. We have a special meetup group just for our meetups in London. So that'll be happening tomorrow. Hands-on lab uh, with Kasten. I'm taking a look at the, the importance of you know, backup and restore when we're looking at databases on Kubernetes, followed by a panel with three amazing people, Jennifer Riggins, um, Anais from, from Aqua Security, and Cheryl Hung, who's an advisor at OnDat, uh, one of our sponsors. Shout out to OnDat for all their support in London. She's also at Apple. Um, so that's a, another, our second in-person meetup that we're having in London. Get ready for more of those coming up soon. We got one planned for Turkey in May. We're definitely gonna have another one in London in June. We got one coming in the Bay Area in July. Um, so anyway, plenty of news going on there. That being said, our speaker today is Scott Wrigley, and he's an amazing human being working at WeaveWorks, a super cool company if you're not aware of them. Um, so Scott, I'd like you to, uh, to, turn your, to turn your camera on so we can get to see you. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Um, hi, everybody. I've, I'm recovering from a little laryngitis, but it's actually, it's fine. I might be slightly less talkative than normal, but um, but yeah, still here and able to do this. Thanks very nice to have you. Very nice to have you with us, Scott. And, you know, something that we ask, um, uh, you know, the different guests that we have here in the community is when people talk about running stateful workloads on Kubernetes, you know, we talk about the challenges and opportunities. Could you just give a little bit, uh, give us a little bit of insight about what your experience has been with that, your perspective and your feelings about it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so this was a big topic. It's been a big topic for years, you know. Um, and uh, so this talk is on, you know, uh, Flux for Helm users, right? And and specifically with a and with a specific focus on stateful workloads. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, uh, being um, so, I had I had uh, maintained the or co-maintained rather the Helm um, in incubator incubator and stable or excuse me the incubation and stable Helm repos for four years, and this was one of the one of the main things that I wanted to bring to that when when joining the team to do that was um, helping with consistency across those those uh, very popular community charts that were support, that were uh, maintained by a bunch of folks very fam intimately familiar with the applications each were supposed to uh, manage, right? Um, and a number of those applications are stateful. So um, one, of the, one of the things that we did first of all was, was try to understand and develop best practices for for Helm charts when running stable, uh, excuse me, stateful workloads. Um, we still have a, 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 a bit of documentation there 
that has yet to make its way into the Helm docs. Um, that's on my list. It's just not the very top priority right now. Maybe it should be. I don't know. But uh, I sent a link. Um, and uh, essentially, what we did was was poll all the all the Helm chart maintainers and ask them about their ideas for best practices. So it wasn't just about suitable workloads. That's just one of the sections in a very long list of best practices um, that should be highlighted for, for, uh, for that repo. Now that repo is since long since decommissioned, its charts have moved to other uh, distributed Helm repositories. They're all um, aggregated on Arti the CNCF Artifact Hub. Um, so if Helm users, uh, Hopefully in this, if they don't, now you do. Uh, that's where you can find thousands and thousands of charts. Um, <clears throat> but those best practices are still, uh, they're still important. Um, and um, I'll actually pull up the link now, if that's a good. Absolutely, yeah, great segue, go for it, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I, I actually didn't prepare to do that, uh, but, uh, that question inspired me to do so. so one sec here. All right. Um, I believe it's in the. There we go. If it's in the review guidelines, here we are. Okay. Um, uh, uh, shall I send that to everyone in the chat? Yeah, just send that here. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, cool. Great. Good, good, good. And. Um, so there's a section, there's a section called deploys, deployments, stateful sets, um, daemon sets, selectors. And that is, um, they're the, the best practices for, for that generally, um, the, sorry, that, that's under names and labels. There's best, best practices around the actual selectors themselves. Um, and then below the selectors, excuse me, below the, uh, the selectors uh, section, there's um, uh, persistence labels. So there's one, there's a section specifically for stable sets. Um, and then if you go down to the very bottom, there's Kubernetes native workloads. So there's, there's, um, there's just a few recommendations. Um, this is probably not that, uh, you know, that groundbreaking or exciting at this point. But, um, but basically what we, what we had said was that workloads that are, in, that are stateful in nature, such as databases, uh, key value stores, message queues, in-memory caches are to be created as stateful sets. So it's recommended that deployments and stateful sets can consider their work, excuse me, config their workload with a, with a PDB for high availability, a pod disruption budget. And those are really the only notes that we have. Really, most of it had to do with selectors and labels and those, so we, what we tried to do was um, be consistent with um, with migrating uh, Helm charts that will only offer deployments to to also give a a stateful set option in their configuration um, because um, some charts only offer a stateful set and fine um, but it's it's very nice I think to to um, to give the option in a chart, because if you're using a chart for development, you don't really need to worry about the stateful side of it so much, unless that's what you're specifically developing for trying to work with. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, but in all other cases, uh, either with a, charts often have a, um, a file that has a production dash values YAML file inside the chart itself so that you can also pass that to, um, to, uh, to, 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 your, to, your, to your commands for Helm installation, whether you're using a tool like Flux and you just pass that in your Helm release configuration, um, or if you're using um, a Helm binary and you use the, the, um, the uh, dash F command for values. Very good. Nice overview. And it's nice yeah. to see, you know, we see the development evolution of Kubernetes over time. And, and so part of what's fascinating about our community talking to different people is how everyone has their own, you know, story of, of how they first got involved with this. And like you said, even if some of that documentation is, is now in a different place or is a different phase, identifying when and where these things are happening, why they're happening, and the impact of that, it's, it's really cool. It's kind of like a, a historical kind of piecing these things together and, and seeing how we got to where we are today. Um, that being said, if you want to start sharing your screen, jump into your presentation, go for it. Sure. Okay. And folks, as usual, if you have questions, please feel free to put them in, in the chat here on YouTube, and we will get them answered accordingly. All right. Give me just a sec here. Okay. <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad I could still... Uh, I could still join you even um, even with my voice being as it is. Just let me know if you need me to repeat anything. Will do. Yep. Okay. Okay. Can you see that? Yep, looks great. All right, awesome. So, um, so hi everyone. You know, uh, we started off with a little uh, like a short intro question with with Bart. And, um, you know, uh, just to let you know kind of who I am and why I'm speaking on this topic or like, you know, I guess you're here, so you're interested. I don't need to sell myself, but just so you know, um, I, I work at Weaveworks on the developer experience team. Um, <coughs> pardon me. I am, um, I'm involved in various CNCF things, including uh, I co-chair the CNCF GitOps working group. Um, I co-maintain the CNCF, several CNCF projects, including Helm, Flux, and, um, and Open GitOps. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm, this talk is basically the focus is on using Flux to implement GitOps for Helm users. So um, my Twitter handle's right there, uh, R6BY, you know, the old leap, leap thing. Um, and uh, feel free to reach out to me about open source projects uh, there or on CNCF Slack anytime. Okay, so in short, um, you know, this is just what we're gonna, I'm gonna cover as quickly as possible. Here's a quick agenda for you so you can follow along. I'm gonna just go over who the talk is for, specifically audience that it focuses on. So you can kind of gauge where to, where to, fo where to focus in this. Um, for yourselves, um, gonna give a brief context for, for new users, um, just so we're not using terms that if there are even one or two or a handful of, of people that are brand new to this, you won't get lost. Um, <clears throat> you'll at least know what we're talking about and you, you can use that context to follow up you know, later as well. I'll go over the, um, 
the benefits of Flux for Helm users. And then I'm going to show, um, or I'm going to discuss or tell you briefly about moving from the Helm CLI to the Helm controller. Because the majority of Helm users do use the CLI, um, really the, the Helm um, client. Uh, when you type in Helm create or Helm, you know, uh, Helm install, et cetera, um, or they use that in CI. Um, and, uh, and then we're going to just, I'm just going to demo that if we still have time and if my voice doesn't just give out. Before. <laughs> okay, so, so basically, you know, yes, certainly this is for existing Helm users. You may be using, um, like I was just saying, Helm CLI by hand or in CI automation. Um, getting started with Helm, um, however long you've been using it, uh, whether for whether you know you're a seasoned veteran, you know, or you just downloaded Helm today, um, you should be able to follow along with this talk, and it really is for you. So um, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to following up on your questions as they come up. I believe Brett's going to speak them to me uh, at points. Um, and we can just do that. Absolutely. We'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so actually here's a question. I probably should have asked this before I even started, but are there any new use, new users to Helm on this call? Is it a, a known group of people who all use Helm already and have done it for a long time or? Uh, let's take a look. We do have a bit of a, a delay, but we can all get some feedback in the chat. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be sure I'll be brief about this. If you already knew, I could just skip it. But but uh, I think it's good to give a, a tiny refresher. I won't spend a lot of time on it, so it won't bore folks, even if everybody's super seasoned. Um, I'm just not going to assume any specific knowledge about GitOps or Flux. But yeah, yeah. If you do get overwhelming uh, <clears throat> directional requests for this talk, let me know. Uh, but I'm I'm flexible. But I'll start with a short intro to all of those. So just just be welcome. Okay. Um, so what is Helm? It is a widely adopted package manager for finding, sharing, uh, and deploying apps on Kubernetes, right? Uh, in the context of Helm, you're going to hear terms like charts, releases, revisions. So similar to apt or yum or yum for Linux, um, Helm manages packages for Kubernetes called charts. Charts contain a set of related Kubernetes resource definitions for applications, which can be deployed to a cluster along with your user specified configs um, for how that application is supposed to behave um, in Kubernetes, right? Or just how it's supposed to behave when you deploy it. The deployed Kubernetes objects and the user defined configuration values together is what we call releases. So if a Helm, a Helm introduces this concept to Kubernetes of a release that's not native to Kubernetes, um, you probably know that, but um, re uh, releases that are managed by Helm um, have revisions that um, users can use to roll back to if needed. And that, that's the value of that, and that's what those mean. So um, Helm charts exist for most applications that can be run on Kubernetes. Um, I, was, I mentioned uh, CNCF Artifact Hub. There are nearly 7,000 charts to choose from last time I checked. <clears throat> and there are tools to help you some labels to help you find official charts and, and, and other things like that. So you, you don't have to be overwhelmed by paradox of choice, but you can find most of what you need for most applications. Um, so 
in order to guide you through the benefits that Flux brings to Helm, I'm going to briefly note some things that are that are in and out of scope for Helm by design um, before we move on to what is GitOps and what is Flux. Um, so Helm is an, a client and SDK only. That was part of the design when moving to Helm 3 uh, a number of years ago. Uh, so Helm provides an SDK for other tools to make best use of its internal functionality, um, as opposed to only having to use the CLI or shelling out to the CLI, which might be a security concern in certain contexts. Um, so, uh, but I'm not saying using the Helm CLI is a security concern in itself, it's not. It's a client and most of the time it's used um, by human authors and it's often used in, C in CI. Um, uh, and it's sometime and or and or CD. So uh, those are those are options. But um, here are some of the things that are designed to be out of scope because of um, Helm's uh, uh, yeah because of Helm's tighter scope now on the client and the SDK that powers it and other tools. So um, you can see generally that what's in scope. Again, I'm I'm, I'm focusing on the scope that relates to GitOps. By the way. Um, so there are, but this is this is still accurate for scope for Helm. Um, so yes, supports the CLI and SDK. Um, since I'm going to be talking about Flux next, Flux uses Helm's SDK. Um, note that not all tools do that, and that's perfectly okay. Um, just just know this when you're comparing um, tools. Uh, in fact, we just published a, a Helm blog, a blog post for Helm. Um, uh, excuse me, <laughs> give me one second. No worries. This is probably worth showing you because it just came out yesterday. Um, yeah, that, um, that myself and Matt Farina uh, wrote advice from other people and, and contributions from other folks too, which was nice. I'll post it in the can you see this? Can you see it on my screen? The tools you can use to manage your Helm releases declaratively? Got it. And I just shared the link in the chat. So yeah, we're all good. Okay, cool. I don't know if I only had only shared a tab or... Um... No, no, no. It's cool. Got it. Yep. Okay, great. And at the at the bottom here, you can see that one of the columns um, in a... In a tr you can read through this later, but this is a comparison of, of tools that to help you manage uh, Helm declaratively, which is going to be part of my talk here. Um, the column that says does not require Helm binary, those are tools that use the Helm SDK. So that just gives you, gives you um, an idea there. Um, I'll go back to the slides here. Okay, so in any case, uh, the rest of Helm scope is packaging those Kubernetes manifests, um, configuration for those manifests. So there is Helm templating, um, it uses Go template, um, which some people uh, YAML. Um, we actually considered removing that in Helm 3, but due to vastly overwhelming community, uh, not really, I mean, almost demands, but 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 cries really <laughs> pleading, we, we decided to leave that. It's, it's important for, for, um, for Helm chart maintainers uh, and, and for, for Helm users that have those options that it affords. Um, so that's how we do the configuration. Um, it's got imper imperative app delivery. So ultimately in scope for Helm is 
um, imperative commands uh, and versioning and rollbacks and what I spoke about before. What's out of scope that mirrors the other side of this. Um, the corollary here is that um, CRD upgrades are out of scope for Helm because it is, um, uh, um, it is focused around the needs of the Helm client. And a client is not, is not uh, an ongoing operator. You can try to make that happen, um, but that's not what the Helm client does. That's out of scope. So um, Helm does not manage and there's, there's plenty of posts and documentation on why Helm does not manage the life cycle of CRDs, um, and up, including upgrades. Uh, uh, spoiler, Flux Helm controller does that, and I'll, I'll show you when we get to there. But, um, also, what's out of scope is managing multiple environments. Um, you've got to use other tools for this, and if you're a Helm user and you're working on automation, you probably are either using, if you've been doing it for a while, you're probably using something like Helm file, or you know some combination of, of bash and a make file. Um, I myself have done this a lot. I'm going to try to be a little more terse in my descriptions now. Um, any control loop or retry logic, um, and you can read these other op scopes. So basically, like any kind of automated responses apart from rollbacks, and um, there's no drift detection whatsoever um, in scope of Helm. Um, there's a tool, uh, there's a, uh, a Helm diff tool, but th that there's, there's nothing like that in the scope of Helm. So um, please check out these GitOps principles. I'm just going to read them briefly. Um, but it's, it's just important for folks to know that GitOps is a set of principles for just for operating and managing software systems. This is what we say in the, in the actual um, principles document. Um, uh, which is at open-gitops slash documents um, as the GitHub repo. So um, the principles are derived from modern software operations, but they're also rooted in pre-existing and widely adopted best practices. So the desire of a GitOps managed system must be these four things. It must be declarative. It must be versioned in a It must be pulled automatically and it must be continually reconciled. So um, note that none of these descriptions or the linked glossary items from here are um, Kubernetes specific. Um, <coughs> these, are, these are supposed to be foundational principles. Oops, can you hear me okay? Yep, you sound great. Okay, my, my internet gave me a warning, but- that, No, no, you're all good, sounds great. Okay. Um, so a very quick note about what we mean by declarative principle one is um, uh, really it's, it's the difference between de declarative and imperative. Um, so with it's that Kubernetes users uh, know and is document, likely know anyway, and is documented in, in the section of the Kubernetes documentation on, on the three different ways of working with Kubernetes objects. So declarative is the most uh, highly recommended way, um, uh, but imperative is supported as well. Um, so with declarative management, just to, in a nutshell, um, you declare the system to the system, what you want the end state to be like. The system then works to make that a reality. 
and it usually reports status on the progress of making that declared status reality. Um, over time, the way a system makes the declared state reality can change without the need for you to declare or the status of the progress to change. Um, imperative management has to do with telling the system what, you, what to do step-by-step. Step. Um, instead of declaring what you want in the end, you tell the system each step to achieve that goal and you monitor that as you go and you, you're responsible for each of those steps. Um, you're also responsible for uh, what happens if there's any uh, change to that, um, like some a kind of drift between your desired state and the actual state of your system. Um, so principle one is very similar to infrastructure's code, except that it applies to apps as well as infrastructure. Um, principle two is where the Git, GitOps, the name GitOps comes from. Although any system that fits the criteria defined by this principle may be used. And the principle states that um, desired state is stored in a way that enforces immutability, versioning, and retains a complete version history. So GitOps gives, excuse me, Git gives you that out of the box if configured correctly. Um, but other systems do as well. Other systems can as well. And they can be used together too. Um, for example, S3 compatible storage buckets, um, uh, Helm repositories, and at least as far as Flux is concerned, um, very soon OCI. That is in process right now. So um, principle three is what differentiates GitOps from event-driven CI jobs triggered by changes to Git, the pulled automatically part. So here the desired state is pulled by the system whenever needed without the need to be triggered by actions on the source repository. So, you know, CI, you make a change, it triggers a job. If that job succeeds, you've done your thing and it doesn't happen again until uh, you make another change or manually re-trigger that job or uh, go and investigate why that, why that failed yourself. Um, you know, whereas uh, GitOps, that, that should be happening from the system on a, on a regular basis it, itself. You can speed that up with, with Flux um, and I believe other systems too, other GitOps systems, but you can speed that up with a webhook receiver in Flux so that when you make a change in CI, in addition to the regular interval of checking, um, that it will do all its, on its own, uh, it will send a ping to the source say, all right, now go ahead and pull that source again. But it won't send that entire payload. It won't push it in the same way. It really is just giving you um, a little push, a nudge to say, hey, let's speed this up so it can still, um, so this pull only system can uh, compete with this, the same level of speed that a push-based system would just with greater security. And principle four is that um, this is where software agents are always assessing the actual system state, um, working to bring it closer to declared desired state inversion control. So I uh, hope that was helpful and not boring to everyone. Um, if you're already an expert in GitOps, if every single one of you is, then, then maybe that was, but at least you know where to go to point other folks to this information. You got a few extra side notes. Um, okay, so... What is Flux? Um, <clears throat> it's a CNCF incubating project. So uh, it is uh, in the process of, um, it has applied for graduation and is in the process of review by the CNCF TOC. It's in a very good position. We just had a meeting about it yesterday with the TOC. Um, so the, 
The Flux family of projects are a set of continuous and progressive delivery solutions from Git to Kubernetes or whatever that source is. So this includes uh, the Flux CLI, the GitOps Toolkit, which is a, a, a set of controllers and Go packages that power the Flux CLI and, other, and can power other tools, um, and Flagger, which is a progressive, a progressive delivery tool uh, uh, built to work with GitOps <coughs> um, that has moved under the Flux project space that was voted on uh, last year by, by Flux uh, maintainers in a public issue. So remember those things I said Helm doesn't do by design? I gave the one teaser, but Flux basically picks up where that scope leads off, at least in the, concept, in the context of GitOps. So Helm is the packaging and release tool. Flux allows for collaborative, declarative, and automated management of complex environments. Uh, Flux is the only CD tool that purely uses Helm's SDK. Uh, 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 well, uh, no shelling out to a binary and does not fork and does not also fork Helm to do that. Uh, now, um, I will say that for a long time, Flux was the only CD tool. Um, there may be others now. I, I, I just don't know if some of the items on that list that I showed you before that table, like I don't believe, I don't believe that fleet is a CD tool. Um, uh, Captain may be considered a CD tool. So in, in, in any case, just take a look at that blog post we just published for uh, current up-to-date as of yesterday details on that with, with footnotes. Make sure to read the footnotes. Uh, I wrote a lot of those and, you know, we worked on those together as a team and um, they're, uh, they're important caveats and things that users need to know when assessing and comparing these tools. Um, they're all good tools. Uh, they all do different things and it's just good to know the facts. So uh, anyway, because Flux uses the SDK, um, it allows Flux to do very flexible and powerful things while maintaining a, a very solid architecture and a low memory footprint in your cluster. Um, as a side note, folks who are interested in a low memory footprint um, for, for their own cost, but also environmentally sustainable purposes, um, there is a, uh, a CNCF uh, environment, environmental sustainability uh, working group that is being proposed. And uh, I will um, point you to the charter right now for those who are interested. And um, want to list yourself as an interested party. Only do so, of course, if you are interested, but uh, I am personally extremely interested in this and already working on it. Yeah, so one of, the, one of the other benefits of Flux is that um, you can save a lot of memory as opposed to doing um, certain things within um, uh, uh, running, uh, shelling out to the Helm binary in the container. Uh, we can get into that more if you're interested, just asking the questions. So, um, okay, well, anyway, uh, for users, it also means that Flux team and Flux maintainers um, contribute to the Helm, to Helm upstream so that everybody gets the benefits of um, <clears throat> improvements that we make along those areas, not only Flux users, you know, open source, right? So, um, but that's, what, that's one of the other benefits of using the SDK for us. So, um, Another big benefit is Flux Helm controller manages CRD upgrades. So uh, 
Helm CLI has support for initial installation of CRDs, uh, as many of you probably know, um, required for the resources in your cluster, but it does not handle upgrades um, by design. So normally this is a manual step for charts that install apps, which upgrade your C their CRDs every so often. Um, a common example of this is CERT Manager. You'll see instructions on how to do that uh, manually using CERT um, for CERT Manager upgrades uh, and, and, and a number of other tools. Uh, and Helm, the Helm controller allows you to do this out of the box. And it has options to let you fine tune uh, CRD upgrades with um, automated, you know, anyway, it, 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 it has options to allow you to fine tune the automated CRD upgrade process as you need to. Uh, but for many people, you generally don't even need to tweak those. Um, it just works out of the box. Um, uh, so uh, what I had mentioned earlier about the memory footprint, um, Flux has a depends on feature, which allows you to manage a tree of chart dependencies without having to make large umbrella charts in order to do that, which I know many organizations currently use. It's a very viable solution. We have documentation in the Helm docs on how to use umbrella charts um, and various chart dependency uh, models or several chart dependency models. Um, but the, the uh, because the Helm controller is, excuse me, yeah, the Helm controller is um, an, uh, a software agent running on your cluster uh, with a very low memory footprint, but running uh, there nonetheless for unattended operations. Um, we we can you we introduced it depends on feature so that you can just specify that in the custom resource for your Helm release so that you can let the controller manage that tree create that tree of dependencies at runtime um, and operate on them one after the other as opposed to having to load it all in memory in order to do so all at once so that that's very helpful for that um, it, it flux also makes it easy to manage multiple events. we've got a bunch of you know, documentation and demos and showing you how to do this. Um, uh, Flux is built on controller runtime, on Kubernetes core controller runtime. So that includes control loop and retry logic out of the box. Um, basically, for we integrate with it, but, but uh, if you're using Kubernetes and um, you uh, hopefully already trust this. Um, and uh, Flux gives feedback on how automating your Helm releases is going through the, the notification controller. Um, that includes automatic drift detection, uh, which is when resources in the cluster diverge from your desired state all on their own. For some reason, something fails, a bad actor got in there, uh, a good actor accidentally pushed the wrong environment and so on. Um, so I'm not gonna read all of this. Uh, I have plenty of things to say about about Flux and Flux on the homepage of fluxcd.io. Just know that, uh, you know, Flux does multi-cluster, multi-tenancy, um, uh, multi-cluster out of the box with, with uh, cluster API, that is. Um, other GitOps tools that both the same thing do the exact same thing. And um, uh, Cappy is a fantastic project. We integrate very tightly with it. Cappy is also written on controller runtime. <coughs> Excuse me. So for example, Flux can use one Kubernetes cluster to manage apps in either that same cluster or multiple other clusters. Um, so you can have uh, very lightweight clusters that don't even need anything uh, Flux related running on them. 
Um, so this is really good for things like edge computing and it's being used by telco um, and it can be used for you to save money and if that's part of your uh, desired architecture. Anyways, there's a lot to say about these, but I'm going to try to save my voice and get on with the demo or get on with the, the, uh, the talk. So this is just a short overview of the Flux controllers. Um, uh, that is ultimately what the GitOps toolkit is and what Flux is, is a set of API and APIs and controllers. Uh, these controllers are um, source controller. Let me just describe them very briefly what they do. Source controller watches your defined sources where you specify your desired state. So for example, Git and brings any changes into the cluster um, for that you, of any, any of your specified changes for the other controllers to then act on. So that's why it's first in this list. Uh, the customized controller gets your chain, or excuse me, um, uh, let me just say real quick, the desired state um, in Git can be a variety of popular formats. Uh, it's plain YAML. Um, for those who don't want to use plain YAML because they want to be more dry, it supports customized overlays and Helm charts to do that. It also supports, um, there's also now a Terraform controller that lets you store your desired state in that form. So um, ultimately uh, you can, and, and there are more, um, more tools coming. Uh, there is um, a, uh, a project that Stefan Proden uh, has been working on for Q, if you prefer that form. So, um, so in any case, um, regardless of the format, that, that's what the source controller does, watches for your changes, brings that information of your changes into the cluster, uh, at like um, uh, the GitOps principle said. So the customized controller, the next one on the list, is the controller that gets your changes from the source controller and applies uh, plain YAML as well as optional customized overlays to the cluster. Those YAML files include Kubernetes resources, uh, any Kubernetes resources, but also include the, the custom resource definitions that other controllers, other Flux controllers, such as the Helm controller rely on to do their job. Um, one word on the, on the uh, naming here, uh, this has confused some people because they're like, I don't want to use customize. I'm a Helm user. You can use both, but also you don't have to. Um, the reason the customized controller is used to apply plain YAML, including the Helm release uh, CRDs, is because um, in, in, uh, in our architecting Flux version two, the current version of Flux, um, to support custom, uh, customizes built into the Helm CLI, or excuse me, sorry, oh my God. That is not true. Customize, don't snip at that out, please. Customize uh, is built into the to flux. Uh, excuse me. Wow, into kube control. Let me say it one more time. Customizes built into kube control or kube cuddle, however you like to say it. And so, um, uh, customize also also wraps kube control apply. So in providing customized support for for applying customize overlays and other advanced customized features. It also just dive, uh, um, pat hands that off to essentially the underlying tooling for kube control apply to apply just plain YAML too. So that's why we don't need a plain YAML applier and a customized player. Um, I hope that clears it up for the few people who might be, uh, be confused about why we have customized for Helm users. I think we're good. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so once the so once the Helm repo and release CRDs are applied to the Kube API by Customize, or like say however you decide to get them there, if you don't want to use GitOps for that or or something custom, the Helm controller uses that information to automate managing your Helm releases for you. The notification controller then I think I already mentioned that, but just lets you know how things are going, any um, drift, etc. And then the image automation controllers. Uh, um, handle writing exact image versions back to your Git source in your in your desired if your desired state is a similar range or constraint like Helm supports. So a lot of your Helm charts, uh, um, you know, supports like um, here's a similar range, right? Um, this is basically version pinning for GitOps, and the reason is because it's now an automated process and it applies to scaling as well as disaster recovery, if you specify a Simver range that it's anything within this minor version, uh, any, any patch release within a minor, a particular minor version, or who knows, any minor release within a, within a particular major version or any other Simver, release, that Simver constraint you wanna, um, uh, that's supported by Helm. Um, that means that if you use GitOps to spin up a new cluster and manage multiple clusters, that next cluster wouldn't know what exactly which version the other clusters had um, already chosen, which, which uh, you know what I mean? Um, so uh, basic concept of pinning um, that allows to write back that one definition by a machine, um, by this controller, not to, not to compete in any, it doesn't compete in any way with your user specified configurations. It's, it's very separate using annotations within the configuration file. Um, but that just allows that. So uh, there's more to be said about that, but um, you can, that's for another talk. Um, so uh, I just wanted to mention that like about a, a quick note about the Helm controller is that like, you know, experienced in Helm myself, as it sounds like many of you are, I wanted to contribute to Flux uh, too, because I was very interested in GitOps. And after researching, I found Flux's Helm controller to be the, the most stable um, and the most powerful GitOps tool for the wider Helm ecosystem. Um, again, when I put my uh, GitOps uh, working group hat on, chair hat on, you know, I'm not there. Not we don't prefer one tool over the other. We just give facts about them. Um, so um, I think I've done some of that, and I'm gonna move on now. But um, but I just want to take a quick look. Um, at an architecture diagram that shows how that shows you how these controllers work together to manage Helm releases using GitOps. Or, yeah, using GitOps. So, um, so uh, short description is like um, uh, you can see on the right, uh, or actually, unless you can see my mouse, but on the right are uh, the sources here. Where, that the source controller is pointing to, that it's it's pulling from. Um, the source controller is also giving that information to the Kube API. Uh, the Helm controller, as well as other controllers like the notification controller, um, the customer controller does too, but it's not part of this uh, this diagram here because we're talking about Helm releases only. Um, the Helm controller talks to the source controller, uh, li uh, sorry, listens uh, to information from the source controller. Um, and so does the notification controller, uh, which uh, feeds that information back to you through Slack or through um, dozens of other um, team chat options. 
Um, and then the Helm controller controls the Helm releases themselves in the release life cycle for Helm, just like you expect with the CLI. Um, oops. Okay, yes, so. Uh, show me the benefits, right? <laughs> okay. Some of the length. I'm not going to get into additional benefits. Um, it's just like a very quick to put it on a bumper sticker is like, you know, Flux gives an additional layer of reliability, consistency, observability, auditability uh, to the benefits um, that Helm already provides you when using it in CI, when you're just using the Helm um, uh, client. So, um, so when moving, to from the Helm CLI to the Helm controller, um, it all starts with using Flux, excuse me, with Helm declaratively. You have to be able to do that before you can do GitOps, however you want, however someone wants to do it. Um, so uh, there is a blog post that, um, that Tamao Nakahara published on CNCF blog um, here. Uh, that, cool. yep. that shows how uh, Flux lets you use Helm declaratively. Um, and it's a pretty in-depth um, in depth focus on that. The, the blog post that we just put out um, uh, in the Helm blog is more of a comparison. So it doesn't get quite as in-depth of exactly how Flux does it. It just gives some uh, important features to note in comparison to other tools. So look at those two resources and that'll really help you with the declarative part. Um, and really, um, I want to highlight that users trust, trust Flux, you know, um, Flux was one of the only two projects alongside Helm, um, categorized as adopt on the CNCF CICD tech radar, uh, that was published, um, uh, in 2020. So, um, if you follow the, the CNCF tech radars, they come on different, they, uh, each tech radar is on a different topic. That one was on CICD. Um, check it out. And, uh, and, you know, um, if you do need additional help, seeing uh, um, or, you know, get on these demos and things like that, um, I'm just going to uh, send you a link to Flux support. There's a, there's a little section that says my employer needs additional help. And there's different companies, including the one that I work for, um, who are listed as folks you can reach out to for different kinds of engagements. Um, from the very light to like extraordinarily involved, um, all of them. You know, I'm not differentiating one to the next. Um, even though I work for WeWorks, uh, you know, they're fantastic, and so are the other companies listed. And if you offer Flux services, paid services to help folk, other folks, open up a request to list it there because Flux is an independent CNCF project. So, um, so yeah, so so really, just the one note here. I'm not going to really get too into it, but but just. Uh, you're all here because you know change is necessary. You want to see how to do CI/CD with, with, with Helm and Flux, and you're a Helm user. So, um, but everyone else who you need to convince to make that decision might not be might not not uh, be on the exact same page there, knowing how necessary it is. So, we can help with. Um, you can reach out to me apart from this. Um, you can point folks to this demo. This. Uh, talk or this this demo and other recorded versions of it that I have um, and other people that are talking about this. We, we give tips how to convince 
whoever you need to, basically. Um, you know, uh, ultimately, is, ultimately, excuse me, about when I say users trust Flux, uh, large companies, small companies, old and new companies, uh, highly, highly security-minded companies like financial institutions and government, as well as ex extremely open projects, um, all, all use Flux. So, uh, our, yeah, um, and uh, there are success stories that you can point to, different quotes and talks and so on. Um, so just, you know, they can share with you um, and that you can share it with them. And, you know, taking ownership is a lot easier that way. Uh, so yeah, um, I am now uh, gonna do a time check, but I wanna, wanna, um, I wanna go to demo, but I wanna do a time check on uh, where we're at. We are right. ready for the demo. We're good, okay, let's good. do it, let's do okay. it. Uh, how much time do we have left for it, if you don't? Uh, oh, no, how much time do you need? Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought I might, uh, my voice might have cut out, so I'd be a little shorter with the rest, but I was able to persist. So um, here we are. Um, okay. So um, let me go ahead and stop sharing my screen now. And I'll open, what I'll open is a... Um, just here, I'll open, I'll open this um, with uh, uh, CLI um, on the side. So give me just a sec to stop sharing my browser so I can share my entire screen so you can see both at once. Just a minute. Okay, uh, here we go, sharing entire screen now. We're sharing entire desktop now. Yep, yeah, we got it all. Okay, I got my do not disturb on. Okay, cool. Uh, so here's the gist. Uh, let me post it to you in the chat so it might be easier for some folks to follow along that way. Um, uh, in short, what we're going to do is um, is show you um, going through. Uh, let me let me just uh, cue this up for a second, and then I'll explain what I'm doing. So, because this will only take maybe thirty seconds, and then uh, bootstrapping flux will take about almost a minute. So, um, I'll just copy paste it for now, and then I'll I'll explain to you what I'm doing as I'm uh, as I'm going through these. Um, so this is just for, this is focusing on Homebrew users, but you can, you can go to fluxcd.io to find any, uh, a variety of ways to install Flux. Um, this just will help you. Uh, I don't know that this is actually the most recent version now, um, but, uh, but it's, it's not too, too far behind if, if it's not. Um, so, uh, there are a few things that, uh, you need to do. Um, one is to generate a, a new uh, token in your, your dev settings. I'm gonna get up now that the, sorry, now that the creation of my local kind cluster is done, but you can do yourself. Um, I'm gonna do a flux bootstrap and I'll explain to you on it too. Uh, 
Um, give me just a second here. Uh, I'm deliberately going to my one password. It won't, it won't. Uh, It won't display anything to you that you um, shouldn't be able to see. So no shopping spree with Scott's credit card. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, um, uh, this is good. I need to create a uh, a token because now GitHub has these expired. I didn't check that beforehand. So why don't I um, Stop the share, <laughs> create the token, because now that would give a shopping spree uh, uh, for all the repos I, I maintain. So that's no good. Um, and then I'll just restart my my share, but I'll show you, I'll give you the link to how that's done. Um, I'll talk you through it. Um, basically what it is, is um, you go to, uh, to your GitHub account, you, um, you go down to settings, you click all the way down on the left to developer settings. Um, you click down personal access tokens. And uh, if you have an expired I do, you click delete. Um, uh, hey, actually, in fact, I, I, I'll, just, I'll share off and on here so you can kind of get a feel for this. And then I'll stop when it comes time to actually, to actually have it show my token. Um, so I'm gonna click generate new token I'm going to use the name Flux Bootstrap because I like to do that. Uh, I'm set an expiration for seven days. Uh, thank you, GitHub, for adding that feature. And then you're going to click the repo button. Uh, so you you need to give all repo controls because Flux Bootstrap will create a a, uh, a GitHub repo for you if you don't already have one named by whatever whatever you specify it as. And um, and if you do have one, it's idempotent, so it will just act upon that, and it still needs permission to do so. So, uh, so I'm gonna click generate token after I stop the share. All right, one second here. Generate token, I'm gonna copy my token. I'm gonna pop it into my, I'm gonna update my, my one password, at least so I can use it over the next seven days in demos. And uh, I'll save that. Okay, I'll reshare with you now. Always encourage using uh, best practices here. Um, another thing that I'm going to, oh, Jesus. I'm not sure if it's because I'm sick or what, but uh, let, me, let me do that again. I'm gonna stop the share and then I'm just going to uh, remove that entirely. So I created that and flashed it on my screen for a second and uh, it's now, it has deleted. Uh, so have, have fun trying. I'm gonna close that. <laughs> uh, thanks for bearing with me on this, folks. I'm I'm almost running on all cylinders here. Okay. Did the same thing, but now just won't. Uh, I just won't show you. Okay. What I will show you though is a. It won't take very long um, to kind of make up for that. Is a is a more um, is a is a better way to to do this uh, using um, instead of pasting your personal access token um, uh, or just re um, relying on like Flux's uh, um, 
secure way of, 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 of posting it, um, you can do this. You can do a read s. Um, and that's read silent. And uh, just to make sure, uh, let me see, no new lines. Um, there we go, my bad. Then should be 40 characters. That's what I expect, you know, for a GitHub token, right? I actually got that properly with the read silent. Uh, you can actually do this in a demo. If you do this, you have to export it. Um, I'm actually not going to, yeah, actually I'll do it. Well, why not? Um, I'll export it. Okay. So now um, I'm going to do the flex bootstrap command again. Okay. So now what it's doing is it's creating a repository called Flux for Helm users. Um, oh, it actually looks like maybe I had that already set up. <clears throat> uh, still a good demo. It'll still work. How about I do... Uh, how about I um, just go there? Oops. Thanks for home users. Um, so it looks like this is 20 days old and there's already four, there's already four uh, commits. I think it may be good to revert to the very first um hmm, what's the best way for me to do this to show you because i actually meant to delete this uh bart how about how about i um i could show you several things but just so that it's kind of scripted here um what i could i just want to explain what i could do but i'm gonna i'm gonna do a thing i'm gonna delete my kind cluster delete my repo and show you starting from scratch just so you know you can do it okay um this shows that it does in fact it does in fact work. I can actually do a uh, uh, um, before I delete it. I'll do it um, a uh, a flux get uh, well. Here, I'll do a flux get, or I'll just do a kube control for now before I introduce that. Get um, uh, deployments. And um, well, let's see. There we go. I'll just do Helm LS. So <clears throat> this shows how how I essentially have a running system. So what I just did kind of reproduced disaster recovery because I just created a cluster and used Flux Bootstrap to take the manifest I already had in my repo and. Um, my application, my Helm application, um, my Helm release is running as an actual Helm release in the cluster. Um, I'm going to go ahead and delete it though and start from scratch. It'll only take another minute uh, and a half. I hope that's okay. Because um, then you'll get to see how to do it yourself from scratch. 
um, and you'll get to see um, you know what I'm gonna actually I'm just gonna assume that this audience is very uh, very intelligent and not do that <laughs> how about that I'll save you an extra minute and a half and I'll just go through the steps and show you what it looks like um, and we'll just we'll take it from there so um, just know that you can follow along with this link that I sent you you can do the steps yourself you can see that it works um, for now trust that it does and uh, from scratch um, but it's also nice actually this ha may be a happy accident because it'll show you how um, how you can use an existing git repo you don't you can bootstrap over an existing repo you don't have to always do it from scratch every time um, it's designed that way so um, after you export your mvars um, you create the demo cluster you do a bootstrap which does essentially what i was saying makes it makes a repo if it didn't um, already exist uh, and it it uh, correctly generates um, uh, a sort um, a deploy token for your repo. Um, it, it, it properly generates a secret with that deploy token in your repo. Um, it does not use your personal access token anywhere else besides your CLI. It's 100% restricted to your, to your client right here. So you don't have to worry about um, uh, any kind of privilege escalation there. Um, that's never sent to your cluster. And it's never sent anywhere or used in any way other than um, uh, setting up um, only this. In fact, once you do the bootstrap, you don't actually need to do um, use the Flux CLI any longer. Um, in fact, you don't even ever have to do Flux bootstrap. You can, you can uh, bootstrap uh, manually, and there are instructions on the Flux CD website under installation on how to do that. This is just by far a very nice uh, convenience feature for folks. Um, so that's a word on security and uh, reliance. You, uh, you're not required to use the, the Flux CLI. It's just, you probably want to. Um, so uh, you, you can uh, then clone your new to your local workspace. I'm actually going to, uh, to go here and, and see if I do. Looks like a don't. So I'm gonna go ahead and clone it just as you would if you were getting started. Or let's say as a new uh, engineer would, would do uh, if they were uh, uh, either moving to a new computer or a new engineer on a team um, that's already, that already has some production, et cetera. So this is probably good to see as well. Um, so I'm gonna show you the tree now. Um, I've got some extra things here because I had already done this and I'll just explain to you what I had done. Um, uh, so what I did initially this is nice to see, is I, what I did to start how to create these custom resource definitions for, um, for Flux, which is, uh, which is here. Um, this is what they look like. In order to do this very easily, um, or to, 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 simu to simulate how you would do this easily for a complex chart with many values. I am using a very simple chart um, that does have options, um, uh, this uh, pod info chart that you see us using in a lot of demos. Um, so I um, uh, wanted to set some values to make it fun. So I set a UI column, or excuse me, I looked at the values using Helm show values. I created a Helm release just using CLI. 
Uh, you don't actually need to do that, but this is just simulating how you would move from an existing Helm release that you used with this, that you installed with the CLI to um, uh, Flux and GitOps. Um, I installed it using Helm upgrade and I set, I used the set command, or you could do this with a file, but same thing. I use the set command uh, to set some of these values. So I made a replica count two. You can see that here, uh, log level with the bug and the UI color. Okay, here I have that. Um, and um, so then you use the command flux create source. Uh, it's very similar to the, the help command, except this is not imperative when you export that to a file, um, this file here. Um, so it's really just, it's creating, you have to create this, uh, the source just like you would do with um, a Helm uh, add repo uh, or Helm repo add command. Um, this creates a source so that, that the repo information can be grabbed and continue to be updated unattended by you. <clears throat> so uh, that looks like this. Um, it's really just a custom resource uh, defined by the the, the Flux uh, source controller for Helm repository source type. Um, you can also install Helm charts using just a path in Git or a, uh, an S3 uh, storage bucket. Um, and again, soon uh, with uh, an OCI path. So uh, then we created the Helm release and this is how we created this file. I did, first I did Helm get values, spit it out to YAML, which looks like this. Uh, you all have probably done this and do this on your own if you're a Helm user and, and automate it at all with CI or, or otherwise. Um, and then um, I use the flux create command for the Helm release type, this file itself, um, to, to make it. So you just pass the parameters very similar to the, the Helm upgrade install command. Um, you have to specify a chart version though, um, because again, uh, uh, this, well, this can be a Semver range but you have to specify some kind of version, um, either a pin version or a range. This is just greater than 4.0.0. And uh, namespace default, um, and pass the values file that I just exported um, to this command. And you can see that it passes the values as a, uh, excuse me, as a YAML um, uh, map, um, actually as part of the YAML object, as part of the uh, the spec uh, values, uh, the values part of the spec. So um, then you know here I'm just in the in this simulation I'm ca I'm I'm catting it, um, and then uh, you no longer need that Helm values uh, file. If you push it to Git, it automatically deploys that that um, that release to Git, just like you saw when I didn't use the Helm CLI actually in this demo at all, which is sort of nice now. Um, and, and that Helm release is there just by having that Helm controller look at these definitions in, in Git, these custom resource definitions. So, um, uh, yeah. So what I was going to show you is that what it does, if, if I do, um, just a kube control, get, de get uh, deploy, um, my release, you can, well, let, let me not just grep, let me just do a, uh, yeah, this is it in context here. So it actually applies metadata labels 
um, for, for showing that Flux is in fact um, controlling this Helm release. Uh, excuse me, sorry, controlling this deployment object that is part of this Helm release. So that, that's, uh, that's how you know when you're going through steps on your own for the first time in a fresh installation that um, that, 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 that push to, um, to get actually had Flux kick in and pick up on these changes. So what I did, and as you've already seen, I, I just changed uh, one of the values from red to blue, which we have right now. Um, let me show you, let me show you actually uh, just, you know, um, you know, that it, it does have a blue background. I'll actually reverse the uh, here and change it to red um, and push it. Uh, so you can see that we'll make a change to the Helm release. Oops, sorry. We'll make a change to the Helm release without actually using the Helm CLI at all and just pushing it to Git and we'll see it automatically pick up in the cluster. So I'm gonna change it or to, to yellow. Horrifying, but you know, let's let's do it. Um, I'll do a git add p. So you can see that I'm I've made that change just in the in in my uh, uh, Helm release custom resource definition that Flux Flux recognizes. I'll uh, commit. Do yellow now, and I'll do a git push. Okay, so um, if I do a a watch. Uh, Helm ls dash a that app version that oh actually sorry it already worked okay so it already moved to the second revision in this cluster um, which is nice uh, now I should be able to show you the exact same thing just port forwarding again and uh, there it is as yellow right so you can see this running in the cluster. You can see, um, you know, um, you can use Helm because it's a Helm release in the cluster. You can see the um, the different ver release versions. You can use plugins like Helm diff to see the diff. Really, it's ultimately going to be just and all of that. So, um, <clears throat> so that's kind of a reverse of what I had shown in the in in the from scratch demo, but it's really the same thing. So, um, so great. Uh, I want to now pick uh, show you uh, back to the here. I'm going to show you what happened, how you can pause and resume, uh, or in Flux language, suspend and resume um, uh, releases on a, on a Helm release basis. So let's say what I just showed you is uh, very simple, right? But see how this helps a lot when you have, um, I don't know, let's say dozens or a handful or dozens or hundreds or more of Helm releases, sometimes with very complex value structures. So, um, so let's say you want to do this, right? And, and you, you need to do maintenance on the Helm release. Well, you don't have to pause all of your GitOps uh, in order to do that. You can pause just one single, um, one single resource, in this case, like a Helm release. So I'm gonna pause that, I'm gonna send that. And you can see, uh, I'll use the flux git command. Um, uh,
my flux kit, uh, Helm release, my release, all. And, or you could do the namespace, right? And I'll, you'll see that uh, extended is true. Um, <clears throat> so I can now roll back my release to, I think we had two revisions. So I could ro roll back my release to ro uh, revision one. This is simulating incident management, right? So you're essentially suspending GitOps for this one, uh, this one uh, release in your repo. Um, if you were using a customization to package these charts or, um, or Terraform or something like that, you could do the same thing just on a per, um, a per delivery controller um, object basis. In this case, it's a flux release, or excuse me, a Helm release. So I'm gonna do a Helm rollback to, um, to revision one. And then, uh, you know, I'll port forward again. All right, and then you should be able to see that it's back to blue. Uh, I should be able to now do, um, uh, you know, I fix my your 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 uh, your platform team or or your 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 on call team. You've done your incident management. You've you've suspended GitOps. Um, and by the way, we do have a note about when it's appropriate to suspend GitOps within the 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 GitOps working group of GitOps principles. It's in the glossary under. Um, under, I think it's a uh, note on breaking glass um, and our incident management. But uh, now if I resume that, that, that Helm release, um, I could show you that suspended equals true, but let me first, let me first port forward again and show that um, it's gone back to yellow because it's taking the, the configurations that you now have um, in Git again. Because when I manually did this, I was creating drift between your defined desired state in, in, your, in Git, in your source, and your actual system state. Um, now that we've picked back up on GitOps, it's pulling that again and pulling away any manual changes that may have been made in the cluster accidentally uh, or on purpose, either uh, by a good actor or a bad actor, right? Or, or an actual good reason or not. Um, so, uh, so that's that. Um, yeah, and you can see, let me just go ahead and show you that suspended is, is false now. This is good if you have a whole list of, um, every Helm release here will, will show up in a big list. So you can see which are suspended and which are not. Um, that'll help you with uh, uh, not only incident management, but also auditing to see who's doing what and what the audit trail was, you know, when GitOps was suspended and it got kicked back to manual intervention. You can also set policies to disallow that. Um, but, uh, on certain environments and so on. So, um, let's see. So for fun, I'm going to clean up my demo or just to show basically wrapping up the demo, right? I'm going to do a kindly cluster. Hope you like uh, my, my uh, little Barney reference here. So our cluster is gone, but our Git source is still there. So let's just simulate disaster recovery right now. I'm going to create, I'll do a, a I can get clusters. There's none, right? I'm going to create another one. I'll only take, oops, I'm sorry. Kind create cluster. So I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to simulate disaster recovery here. 
or I just did by deleting the entire cluster, let's just say something horrible happened and your production cluster went down or all of your clusters went down. Okay, um, maybe that cloud provider, you need to, maybe you're switching to your backup cloud provider or maybe um, it was something known and you, you can just spin up new clusters or maybe who knows what, right? Um, you didn't pay your bill. No. Uh, so we now made a new cluster and now all I have to do is use the flux bootstrap command again because uh, it bootstraps, um, I'll use the exact same bootstrap command. It bootstraps flux uh, components into your cluster and you can't really have flux from within your cluster without those components. So that's what bootstrap means and that's what it's for. So once that's actually there and able to read for your, your source, again, that you already have kept, you know, like my source is still here. I deleted the cluster, but my source is here, right? All my Oops, excuse me. All my commits that you already saw are here. Um, so now Flux is bootstrapped. Uh, I should be able to. I should be able to. Uh, um, forward again and see my release is running. So we've got uh, here. I'll stop port forwarding, and I'll just do a helm dash all, and I'll show how. And this shows how. There's a brand new Helm release on this cluster, which is why it says revision run again, because excuse me, revisions are cluster specific, right? Just like uh, at, that's part of core Helm. And um, you've now simulated disaster recovery. Imagine if there were hundreds of these Helm releases, lots of manifests with plain YAML managed by Customize, um, uh, various, various policies about your cluster and so on. In fact, imagine if uh, uh, your management cluster uh, defined all of your other clusters that it manages and all using a cluster API, right? And and uh, uh, you've got, let's say, an entire fleet of clusters and hundreds of clusters or whatever, um, or even just dev stage prod, prod one, prod two, prod three. Um, this works exactly the same way. This is one simple example to show you how that disaster recovery uh, allows you to depend on these, these running, these uh, battle-tested controllers built on Kubernetes controller runtime and um, can get you up and running extremely fast. So, uh, so yeah, so I've got a little list of things that we covered. Um, I don't necessarily need to go over them now, but just review them if you want. And um, uh, I hope that I hope that helps show you some of the magic of GitOps, um, especially for Helm users using Flux. I think you're muted, Bart. Anyway, that was very, very good, Scott. Very, uh, very well explained. Great to have the resources to accompany the explanations as well. So we got all the links in there. Um, I imagine some people are going to be contacting you either on uh, the DOK Slack or the CNCF Slack, because this sure. is this is something that you know we see gaining traction. You know, three weeks ago when I was in London. They're talking about you know using policy as code and GitOps when talking about you know stateful application storage. There's there's really you can't say it's hype. It's just something that's adding value and people are really picking up on that. Um, I do exactly. want to share. Sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just just um, uh, I can find the link for you, but 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 uh, um, to that point, Pinky and I just had done a talk on ways of structuring your Git repositories, mm -hmm. and we focused not on Helm. We focus just on plain YAMLs 
but noted how we're doing that just for, for introductory purposes and you can replace that information with your Helm releases like I just showed you here, but that includes policies, setting up clusters and all of that stuff. So check out that talk too. Um, it's recorded and uh, yeah. Good, all right. Just before we wrap up, um, thanks everybody for attending today. Like I said, we got uh, we have this awesome meetup today. We got another one tomorrow, KubeCon, DOK Day, all these things that are coming up. As is tradition in our community, um, I'm gonna share my screen really quickly, make sure I'm getting the right one. Um, while you were talking, Scott, we have an amazing artist in our community. Um, his name is Angel, and he does graphic recordings of all the talks that we have. So he did a, I think you can see my screen now. Let me know when you can. Oh, that is so cool. Good. And the thing is, while we were talking, you know, earlier when I was checking out your profile, I was like, you know, Scott's also got a background in the arts world. And we could definitely talk about that more later. Probably need to have just a, a whole live stream dedicated to that uh, because yeah. you really know both the artistic side as well as community building. And that's a huge, you know, part of what we do here. So, so yeah, so this is a sort of a, a, a sort of a compilation of, of the things that were being uh, shared and discussed. But just thank you so much for, for giving us your time today. It was really nice to learn from you. And um, well, I, well, you're, you're very easy to find on, on Twitter, LinkedIn, like I said, CNCF Slack as, as well as ours. So folks want to continue the conversation, you know where to do so. Um, anything else you want to you wanna add before we finish? Just thanks for inviting me, Bart. And it's, it's uh, I, I'm really happy to learn more about your program. Um, and I'm looking forward, are you going to be in uh, Valencia? We'll definitely be there. Yep. All right. So I will see you there and all of the rest of you, whoever is able to come. And um, thank you again. Looking forward to it. Shout out to Vanessa from WeWorks as well, too, for making making the connection here, as well as all the other folks at WeWorks, Leonardo, uh, Jose. Anyway, lots of great people there. Um, great, great, uh, great group of folks you got going on there. So anyway, Scott, enjoy the rest of your day. Hope you start feeling better soon. And thank you for sharing your time with us.